This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. Are you planning on retiring at the age of 65? Well, it turns out that only a minority of us actually are. You know, the average person back in 2008 was expecting that they'd retire around 64. Today, the average person expects to retire in Canada at age 68. That's Kevin Doherty, president of Sun Life Financial Canada. He'll tell us about a survey appropriately called the Unretirement Index. It was heavy. Being the first is never easy. And as Black History Month draws to a close, we'll talk to Zenaina Akande, Canada's first black female cabinet minister. It's Oscar Sunday, and the film that's expected to clean up is The Artist. One of the three categories it won back at the Golden Globes was Best Original Score. Coming up, we'll hear some of the music composed by Ludovic Burs that did such a great job of transporting the audience back to the silent film era. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Older workers have been flooding the Canadian job market over the past two years. That's according to a report by TD Economics. Since the recovery that began in the summer of 2009, Canadians aged 60 and older account for about a third of all net job gains, an impressive figure when you consider they make up just 8% of the labour force. Even more impressive is that employment among the 70-plus age group increased by 55,000 positions, or over 37%. That certainly reflects the trend of Zoomers working long past the traditional retirement age of 65. Meanwhile, things aren't as good for Zoomers working in the United Kingdom. The Trades Union Congress reports that many workers in their late 50s and 60s are working unpaid overtime. The union says 660,000 workers in this age group put in unpaid hours in 2011, and that's over a quarter of a million more than the number of people doing this a decade ago. The Congress says part of the problem is a long-hours culture in the UK, which forces older workers to try to keep up with their younger peers. The worry is this could cause health problems, stress, and low morale. There's a troubling new report out of the U.S. that says black and Latino seniors are twice as likely to live in poverty in retirement. According to a study from the University of California, Berkeley, about 19% of black and Latino seniors have incomes below the federal poverty line, compared to just 9% of the overall senior population. Less than a third of employed Latinos and less than half of black workers are covered by an employer-sponsored retirement plan, a key resource in ensuring adequate retirement income. The report found, as a result, they are disproportionately reliant on the limited income provided by Social Security. 
The Ontario government is cracking down on cognitively impaired Zoomers who continue to drive. The Transportation Ministry is considering the following changes. Better training for family doctors on reporting cognitively impaired patients who drive. More rigorous on-road testing of senior drivers. And the introduction of graduated licensing for some seniors who, like teenage drivers, would not be allowed to drive at night or on 400 series highways. Ontario is one of the last jurisdictions in North America that has not embraced degraduated licenses for seniors. There's no business like show business like no business I know. And finally, it's Oscar Sunday, and it's clear that Zoomers have the bulk of the talent in Hollywood. Canada's Christopher Plummer is expected to take home the Best Supporting Actor Award for his role in Beginners, a film about a man who comes out of the closet after the death of his wife. Meanwhile, Meryl Streep could take home her third Oscar for her role as Margaret Thatcher in The Iron Lady. Other Zoomers nominated include George Clooney, Gary Oldman, Nick Nolte, Kenneth Branagh, Glenn Close, Woody Allen, and Martin Scorsese. It will also be Billy Crystal's ninth time hosting the awards. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Were you planning to retire at the age of 65? Well, if you were, chances are those plans have changed in the last few years. That's the main finding of Sun Life Financial's 2012 Unretirement Index, which also shows that Zoomers are embracing a new kind of retirement. I reached Sun Life Financial Canada's president, Kevin Doherty, at his office in the Financial District. Your retirement or unretirement index shows that only a third of people now expect to be fully retired by the age of 66. Wow. Yeah, it's been very interesting. We've been uh, doing this survey for now four years. The average person back in 2008 was expecting that they'd retire around 64. Today, the average person expects to retire in, in Canada at age 68, so a uh, you know a huge change. Are you surprised to find that? Yeah, I think we were surprised to see the movement uh, happening so quickly. The thing that I find a, a little disturbing about it is that a majority say they're going to keep working not because they want to, but because they need to. Yes, that's that's right, and that was one of the big changes. So when when we measured it previously, the majority of people who are working past retirement were doing it because they wanted to. And in this most recent survey, you can see that you know just over 61% said they'd be working because they needed to. And you know what's very striking, especially if you look at women, it's more like 70% because they need to. What it says to me is that our generation Zoomers are fairly rapidly adapting to what's a new reality, this old idea of retiring at 65, you know, when you're going to be living 20 or 30 years after that, it, it, absolutely. in that context, it doesn't make that much sense. That's absolutely right. The, you know, the numbers don't work if you're going to live 20 or 30 years in retirement. And, and also, you know, why would you, um, you know, want to dial all the way down when you're still, you know, people are healthier than they've ever been, you know, have more energy, a, a lot to to give and a lot to bring to the workforce. So I think it's all kind of converging together. You know, I think uh, underlying the numbers, there are a number of worries or concerns with longevity um, comes the, you know, the risk of maybe outliving your assets. And so that's, a, you know, a number one worry. 
maintaining your standard of living and having enough money to do that for 20 or 30 years is a is a challenge. And, and we also see inside um, the numbers, you know, something that's quite surprising, which is about a third of Canadians are worried about health care in retirement and whether it will be there. And, you know, I think that's quite striking. The other really interesting thing in your survey is about this concept of a phased-in retirement. And I have to say, this is something that makes a lot of sense to me, both from a money point of view and and even if you were going to retire fully, if you go from full tilt to suddenly you have the whole day on your hands, you might not be so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So that that was one of the the major things that surfaced, this notion of a phased retirement has really taken hold in people's minds as a pragmatic solution to the challenge. So if you can, you know, stay in the workforce a little bit longer, if you can put off drawing down on your retirement savings a little longer, you know, if you've got all this energy and talent to still bring, you know, why not stay in the workforce? And, you know, it could be similar to what you're doing, or maybe it's something you'd like to pick up that you've always wanted to try. So people, I'm sure, will be very creative about this. Now, the the other interesting thing about this, though, is that 43% want to start the process before the age of 65 at, at the age of 60. Yes, yes. And how do you plan for that phased retirement? You need to really get right down to the numbers. What would the cash flows look like for the next 20, 30 years, you know, depending on when I want to draw on CPP, on my pension, um, how much do I think I can continue to earn, uh, how long do I need to, how long do I need to do that, how can I defer, you know, drawing on pension as long as possible so that there's that much more. Bottom line, you're a Zoomer, your financial priority should be to pay down debt before you worry about your retirement, Correct. Well, I, I think actually you should have a plan. But, you know, one of the things that stands out is that people that have a, a plan, some kind of retirement plan, are significantly less stressed than people that haven't gone through that exercise to, to think that all through. You know, this is, uh, this is something that I think everybody needs to be thinking about. In some ways, it's kind of an exciting thing to think about, you know, what, if, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? So the sooner you kind of get at that, I think the better. Kevin Doherty, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. To view the entire 2012 Sun Life Canadian Unretirement Index report, go to sunlife.ca. I'm Libby Snymer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review on the new AM740. The fact that um, they found it exceptional and unusual enough to write newspaper articles again and again and again where I lived, what I drove where my kids went to school was ridiculous. But it demonstrated for us that we're not in a safe place yet. That's Zanena Conde, the first black woman to serve as a cabinet minister in Canada. In just a moment, she'll be here to share her unique story that's become a part of Canadian history. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. It's not easy being the first of anything. That's how Zanena Conde sees things 20 years after she served as this country's first black female cabinet minister. She left politics after a difficult four years that paved the way for others in her community. In a couple of weeks, she'll be honoured with the University of the West Indies Luminary Award, and she dropped by our studios to talk about it. 
First of all, congratulations on your University of the West Indies Luminary Award. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm quite uh, thrilled. And thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Well, I'm looking at your bio. You were the first black woman elected to the legislature here in Ontario and the first black woman to serve as a cabinet minister in Canada. But as I look at this, it was 1990. And what really strikes me is that wasn't very long ago. Well, it, it, it doesn't seem that long ago for that type of thing to have happened. You would have thought that it would happen much sooner than that. You're right, I would yeah. have thought. And I would have expected it too because certainly there were uh, many talented, bright, capable women who could have uh, sat in the legislature and certainly who could have been uh, cabinet ministers. Now, whether they all ran for office or felt that the uh, the climate was right for them to do that. But I know that some ran before me. As a matter of fact, I worked in some of their elections. So what was it like to be the one who hit that milestone? Well, it's a great uh, responsibility. I think uh, that at first I was surprised. I mean, one must remember that in 1990, several people woke up in the morning and thought that the world had not unfolded as they had uh, thought (laughs) that it would because that was the first time the uh, New Democratic Party was elected in Ontario. So it it was shocking uh, but then you you become uh, uh, very much aware of the the tremendous responsibility that you have to carry not only in terms of the reason why you stood for election and the plans and the um, ideas you had for the agenda of the party but also because you were um, hit with this business of you're the first black woman who was elected in Ontario, which is something you didn't think about. Well, I certainly didn't think about it while I was running. So you realize that well, you're carrying a great deal of, of, of responsibility on your shoulders. And how did you carry that responsibility? And did you enjoy it or was it a burden? Well, it's it was heavy. Let's, <laughs> let's not describe it as a burden, but let's say it was heavy. Being the first is never easy because you're confronting people's expectations. I learned, for example, that people didn't expect that you would live in certain areas of the city, and they wrote about it, Forest Hill, uh, about the car I drove and about the fact that some of my children went to private school and didn't focus as much as I had hoped on the work that I was doing in the legislature and in the ministry. Your experience in politics wasn't altogether a happy one. No, it wasn't. You know, it's a learning thing. I think the first one of anything within our group goes through uh, a great deal of um, hassle. The fact that um, they found it exceptional and unusual enough to write newspaper articles again and again and again where I lived, what I drove, where my kids went to school was ridiculous. But it demonstrated for us that we're not in a safe place yet. Was part of that controversy because you were a new new Democrat and were living like a perhaps more conservative person, like a wealthy person, or was it all you think because of race? I I, I think that it had something to do with my being a new Democrat too, and their expectations. Although I must say. Well, one of the leaders of the provincial New Democrats, one of the previous leaders, 
lived down the street and around the corner. <laughs> son went to the same school as my son, and it it wasn't an issue for him. So I think that it's a it's a combination. What about expectations inside your own community? How heavy were those? Well, they were heavy because you know when there are there's there's one or or very few, all of those expectations um, fall on that person. And also people are impatient because for so long they have had um, no one or, or um, not someone of their own particular community to be able to go to and to request uh, changes and to lobby. It really does make it tense because you're never out of demand. So how far have we come in this time, do you think? Well, I think we've come uh, quite far, and I mean uh, we as a society, we have come to the realization that, yes, uh, you know, work hard and succeed and take your place in politics and in corporations and everywhere. We've come to the realization that that does happen and it should happen, and it's not as shocking to some as it seems to have been at that time. Um, and also there are more of us willing to throw, more of, of, of my community willing to throw our hats into the ring and to stand for election, uh, to, to run in politics or to be involved in other things and uh, take their places in corporations or in business and certainly in the media. That's a good thing. We Our attitudes about it, uh, have changed. And I find even those who are opposed to the extension of those rights to all of us nevertheless realize that it is a thing that they cannot oppose overtly. Zanena Conde, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm Libby Zneimer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. That's music from the Oscar-nominated score for The Artist. Composer Ludovic Bourse already took home the Golden Globe for Best Original Score, and chances are good that after tonight he'll have some company for it. In just a moment, we'll return to listen to more of the music he composed for the film. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Zneimer. Tonight is the 84th Annual Academy Awards, and although a lot of the buzz is about actors and actresses, another very important part of motion pictures is the music. When silent films began in the late 1800s, most theaters had a pianist who would play along with the film, trying to mimic the emotions actors and actresses had on screen. By the early 1910s, many theaters had upgraded to large organs, which provided more options for orchestration. Then theaters started bringing in chamber groups who would either improvise a score or play common theater repertoire. Finally, in 1915, a score was composed specifically for the blockbuster movie The Birth of a Nation. 
It then became common for big budget pictures to have specifically composed scores to go along with them. It was in this spirit that Ludovic Borst composed the music for the artist, a brilliant modern day tribute to the silent film era that's expected to win many awards tonight. Here's one of the songs from Borst's score it's the theme music that plays when we see the film's leading lady, Peppy. That was part of the Golden Globe winning and Oscar nominated score to the artist composed by Ludovic Bors. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you'll tune in next week when I'll talk to influential author and thinker Malcolm Gladwell about the big trends that will affect you in 2012. See you then. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.